All right, so bonus round. Let's talk about turning failure into success. Now, you and I haven't talked much about the failures that you've experienced. I'm, I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts on you know what some of the setbacks and drawbacks you, you've had to come back from. I know Kickstarter has been one. But how do you turn game design failure into success? What does that look like? Yeah, now I feel like I've set the bar really high by being like, it's all about failure. I have this tragic story, uh, which I don't. Uh, my life has been very good, and I'm very thankful. But um, the, in particular, the, yeah, the, in, the particular failures that, that I've experienced and that I feel like this experience of running Leviathan again sets into relief are Kickstarter-related. Um, a couple years ago, I ran a Kickstarter for a space exploration tile-laying game and uh, failed pretty miserably uh i was at like one sixth of my goal when i when i shut it down uh leviathan just recently failed the fund uh, and we're going back out at it again so i hope i don't jinx us by talking about failure right before we launch again but uh knock on wood so yeah the the notion of of failure sort of in the public sphere uh, is something that that i've learned a lot from yeah, so how do you come back from a Kickstarter failure? What does that look like to relaunch? And like, what did you do to change things or to, you know, go at it from a different angle so that you kind of, so that you try to ensure success second time around? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I feel like the, my first sort of big foray into game design uh, was this failed space game. And the, the big thing that I learned from that, which I learned like almost as soon as I pushed the launch button, is that, I don't want to self-publish and I don't want to be a publisher. Yeah. That's a whole realm of work and experience that is, I'm sure, a joy for a lot of people and is not a joy for me. Um, and so I think I sort of uh, subconsciously started bailing out on the process of actually completing and fulfilling this Kickstarter early on because I realized I'm going to have to spend a lot of time thinking about international shipping and mm. Fulfillment procedures and those are things that are just not that interesting to me personally. So that was the first thing I learned, uh, and you know I've since shopped that game around, and we'll see what happens with it. But uh, I learned. I'd like to think relatively early on in my life as a game designer, who knows how much longer that is, uh, that I don't want to self-publish, and that's a great route for a lot of people, and it's not the route for me. Um, so then. Leviathan this past fall uh, failed to hit its funding goal uh, and I felt a lot more removed from that because it's in the hands of a publisher right now um, it felt like what I learned about that failure was uh, not that not that I had sort of bailed out on that process either but that I was sort of mentally putting the putting the responsibility in the publisher's hands and realizing that in this you know this Kickstarter this crowdfunding world that uh, a lot of the responsibility responsibility for the success or failure of the project is still in my hands as it's sort of the the project is being marketed as my game. It has my name on it, and I wouldn't have it any other way, but that means that it's still me. Even though I don't have to worry about international shipment and fulfillment anymore, it's not entirely out of my hands. So, yeah, that's I feel like what I've what I've learned from Kickstarter failure in one sentence is... Uh, know what to take on and know what not to take on and remember that once you've learned it. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. And like you said, it could have very well been a blessing that your first Kickstarter failed. So you didn't, you know, not funding could have been a huge uh, good thing to happen to you. So you didn't have to worry about the business side and the publishing. And I think that's uh, one thing people don't always take into account that like maybe this setback is a good thing. 
And I would argue 99% of the time it is that, that but when bad things happen, it in the long run can be good. If you, if you look at it from the right perspective, look at it from the light uh, with the right lens, so to speak. Okay. How, how is this going to help me? How can I yeah. learn from this? How can I help other people through this? And so I think that's one thing is to always realize that failure is only, only permanent. If you stay down, like if you get back up and you learn from it and grow from it, then failure can turn into some really, really cool things down the road. Yeah. And I, th- I think I would, I agree with that. I think I would counter that by saying there are definitely like larger life failures where it's like a real tragedy and it's not uh, this, this sort of, you know, it's, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is it's okay to be sad about failure. Oh, yeah, like definitely. I don't, I, I've, I've sort of hear these messages sometimes and think like, Oh, I'm so down about failure. And then someone says, don't be down about your failure. And then I just get even more down because I'm like, <laughs> I can't even fail. Right. right. I'm not even supposed but, to be down. I'm down. Right. Yeah. But I think that, yeah, I think that, that game design and the lessons that we were talking about over in the main episode about when a, a mechanic crashes and burns or when you have to pull something out of a game, I think that that game design intrinsically teaches good lessons about failure and teaches you how to react and respond to maybe bigger life failures in a really good way. And that, you know, I can be sad that this game that I wanted to make isn't going to happen. And I can also have the presence of mind to put it on the shelf and be able to pull it back out later. And I can hold both those things in tension in my mind. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, sometimes life just sucks. And sometimes things really just don't turn out the way you want them to, the way you, I mean, I I remember back in college, I worked for years leading up to this one big thing. And at the last minute got the rug pulled out from underneath me. And I felt like I had put like seven years into something. And when it came time to like have that all fulfilled and the dream to come true, so to speak, and like this big movie moment, it didn't work out because of yeah. what some other people did. Like, it wasn't even my, my fault. I, like, I look back, I go, wow, I, I did everything I could have, and it didn't work out. And that really sucked. And I'm still looking back yeah. at the situation like, okay, what what was that about? Like, what am I supposed to learn from that? How am I supposed to grow from that? And you just, and there's sometimes where you just have to pick yourself back up, feel frustrated, feel bad about it, and then just find a way. And talking about game design, you know, sometimes you, you put all this effort and time and energy and playtesting and everything you do, you know, you're, you're – you're doing it the right way, and it just doesn't turn out. Publishers don't want your game, or your your Kickstarter fails, and all that. And and that's like you said, that's okay. It's okay to feel frustrated and, and sad and bad about it. Just don't stay there. Yeah. Just right. find yeah, right. find a way to get back up and and find a way to help other people who have failed. I think that's another big thing. Kind of what we're doing right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that I was talking about thinking about how uh, game design teaches good lessons about failure, and I think that playing games also teaches good lessons about failure like what you were saying about wanting that movie moment and in you know in hollywood movies it's like if the hero suffers a a defeat you know it's going to work out well in the end and i think that's a bad lesson to internalize for real life because there are plenty of things where it doesn't turn out that way or even if it turns out good in the end it's not the way that would fit in a hollywood narrative the way you'd expect and i think players of board games learn this sort of sense of uh uh, what am i trying to say like it's board games aren't movies that the stories that we enact in these games are different kinds of stories and they have different ups and downs and i think some of those ups and downs this is a new idea so it might be totally wrong uh but what you said reminded me that some of the ups and downs that you learn about from playing board games some of the strategies you learn about to recover from failure in board games are closer to life than the strategies you might pick up from watching a hollywood movie which is uh i don't know be beautiful and hope things turn out well for you. Like, yeah. 
you're not going to win a game playing on that strategy. Right. And in life, there are no happily ever afters. Like that just doesn't, right. it doesn't work out that way in, in reality and in board games, you know, when you have games that have emergent stories and, yeah, and that's a great way to think yeah, like, that. cause movies and books that they're on rails, like you're going to get from point A to point Z right. and you're going to go B, C, D, E, F, like you're going to follow the path in a game. You could go A to L to G and you can like bounce around and it's not going to exactly play out the way that a movie exactly. or a book would. And again, that's a different medium. It's, I don't think we should try to be the same as these right. other content or other mediums. And so, all right. Well, and I don't think it's bad. I'm not saying yeah. movies are terrible no, and no. they'll make your life bad. I'm just saying it's just different. Don't structure your responses to failure based on Hollywood movies because you don't have a script writer. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Definitely. All right. So let's talk about playtesting because failing at playtesting is almost like a, a rite of passage. It, it is just part of <laughs> the game design journey of getting done and you look at all your playtesters who are probably your friends and you just wasted two hours of their time and you told them it was going to be 30 minutes and they hate it and they kind of hate you a little bit. Like what would you tell somebody in that scenario after a really bad playtest? Well, how would you pick them back up? Yeah, that's a good question. I think I try and structure my playtesting sessions and I've learned from the folks at the Philly Game Makers Guild here in Philly, shout out to those folks, um, not, not to let that happen. Um, I, really, I was really vibing with what Don was saying on your previous podcast, Don Eskridge, um, about how he, aside from a, a full blind playtest where the designer's not in the room and not corresponding, how he will sort of pull the strings a little bit and say, let's stop, we're going to change this rule. Or this clearly crashed and burned. Let's stop now instead of playing out to round 10 like we're supposed to. Um, and the, the folks here in Philly at our meetups do that. You, you set a time you say, I'm bringing this game. It's going to take this long. And, you know, you're encouraged not to say it's going to take two hours. You say it's going to take a half hour. And that way you can, it has two upsides. You can focus on the part of the game you want to develop and you don't waste anyone's time. So I'm sure I've run bad play tests where people felt bad but I think mostly my experience playtesting is seeing people start to feel bad. You know, watching, not immediately jumping on it because there's definitely another extreme of we're going to change this rule, we're going to change this rule, we're going to change this rule until you're having fun. Um, <laughs> but, but watching people and saying, okay, this is clearly not working. Let's stop. I love when Tom was like, Let's, who, who can I grab a beer for? Uh, <laughs> beer and fake goods are my ways to pay back my playtesters. Um, yeah, and just being able to to respect people's time and, and attention and say, you know, we're not we're not you're not going to have a bad time here. I might have a bad time because I don't get the playtesting outcomes that I want, but I respect your time enough that I want to have a at least mediocre time, preferably yeah. a good time. Right. I'm a big fan of killing a test early. Just all right, guys, we're done. Yeah. This this is not where. I want it to go. I've got enough ideas to kind of tweak some things. Thank you for the last 30 minutes. We don't have to play the next hour. And I think they're going to, people are more inclined to play again. Right. If you do yeah. that, you know. It's a short-term loss and a long-term gain. Because if people, if I get the reputation for, whenever we go over to Greg's house, he's playing a three-hour game. Yeah. And it's a pain to learn the rules and it's no fun. Like, I'm going to lose all my playtesters real quick. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And if you, you know, if you do have a bad playtest where things just don't turn out well and, and maybe you picked the wrong group, maybe it was a great game, just the wrong people to play it with and to try it. Mm -hmm. I think a big thing to realize is that this is a long game, so to speak, that you're, you're playing the, the big picture and, right. and just take a step back and don't, don't take it personally. I think that's one of the big things 
newer designers really struggle with is like that's their baby and if, if yeah absolutely and they get real annoyed and offended and frustrated when when people tell them tell them they have an ugly baby and it's like yeah right sometimes you have ugly babies sometimes you have really pretty babies and you didn't mean to like you know it's just it's just part of it and so and that can feel like a failure having yeah. having this thing that you love put out there and having people respond in a way you didn't expect and i i remember feeling that way when i put some of my first games on the table and people saying hmm uh, are we playing it right? I'm like, yeah, why? And they're like, is it supposed to be fun? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> why? And it's just like, it feels so bad. But I think, I think everyone goes through that. And I think you just have to go through that. Yeah. Uh, it's something I've said on the show in the past. I will continue to say, cause I think it just really needs to be hit home all the time and reiterated. Something I picked up from Matt Colville and he's, you know, he talks about how you develop taste long before you develop style. Like, you know, yeah, what's good, good long before you can make anything good. And mm-hmm. how like you shouldn't get discouraged about making bad stuff in the beginning because that's what everyone has done. Every great writer, great filmmaker, great game designer, great whoever, they made a whole bunch of really crappy stuff. But we don't see that. We only see the Oscar-nominated movies. We only see the best-selling book. We didn't see the ten books they wrote before that no one wanted to publish because they were awful. And right. so don't compare you know, somebody's greatness to your behind the scenes you know realize that they had to go through this process to get there and and, and it just takes time and i think that's the biggest thing like if you have a failure with a play test or a game design or life it it takes time and and just yeah. give your, give yourself permission to fail and let it take yeah, the time that it that it needs and this is i mean this is a thing that's so canonical that i feel like it's almost cliche in the game design world but uh, like structure your life and your design life so that you can fail more often and more quickly yeah. is something that I've heard a lot and uh, have trouble taking to heart. But whenever I do take it to heart, it pays off. Yeah, definitely. Well, Greg, man, any other last like closing advice or any ideas or thoughts on failure? I want to mention one more book, which All right. isn't super related to failure, but we were talking a lot about constraints. And I guess failure is a sort of constraint. Yeah. Um, in uh, Ian Bogost, who's like a philosopher and sort of technologist, but he loves games and writes about games. Uh, he wrote a book recently called Play Anything that I liked a lot. And uh, in there, he used a definition of play that other people have used and developed. It shows up in uh, Katie Salen's second boss and Eric Zimmerman's book. Uh, anyway, the quote is, um, play, I'm going to butcher it, the paraphrase by Greg is, play is free movement within constraints. And that we so often think about play as like fun and liveliness and outgoingness and that's the free movement and we almost never think about the constraints Mm -hmm. but that they both you need them both there to have play and as a designer i like to think of my work as play and so you need to design within constraints in order to have fun designing just like you need rules in order to play the game yeah no it's great awesome well greg man really appreciate your time thanks for coming on the show good luck with leviathan and good luck with everything else you got going on right now thank you so much Gabe. thanks for having me i really appreciate it